and we're back for roundtable two. By the time we're re- recording this, the first one hasn't come out, so it could be a total failure, and this would be the last episode. We don't know yet. Um, uh, we got two returning, two new, and then myself. Um, change up a little bit how we did our last episode. Hopefully, we'll create more discussion, or it could create the same awkward silences. We'll find out. Um, thing of the roundtable, everybody brings the movie. doesn't matter what the movie is. Um, but everybody has to watch it. And this is kind of, like I said, I want to do a show different than YLS because YLS, all I do is tear people down for their opinions on movies. This one, I'm going to politely tear people down on their movies. No, uh, if I didn't, if it didn't work for you, you're allowed to say it didn't work for you, but I don't want to make anybody feel stupid for picking a movie because they wanted to have, you know, uh, talk about it. Um, I'm going to introduce my movie, then I'll go around everybody. I picked Night of the Hunter. Um, uh, so, black and white movie, classics, and it wasn't directed like by Billy Wilder, so suck it, Zach. Um, uh, next up is Brian. How are you doing tonight, and you know what film did you bring? Uh, doing pretty good. I do object to that opening, though. A lot of those tables were rectangular or square. Just saying. Square. Um, no, I, I, I brought uh, Out of Sight this time. Uh, Steven Soderbergh's 1998 film. Um, I think it's uh, one of his best films, but I think it's another one of those that just gets overlooked. I think a lot of people haven't seen it. Um, I know I looked it up on like his letterbox popularity. It's like below side effects and unsane and some things like that, which is just crazy to me. So I wanted to talk some more about it. Uh, next up is Scott. Scott, uh, what um, 2010 movie did you bring us this time? That hey, I didn't. I didn't. Oh. Um, am I really that biased towards the 2010s? I don't know, maybe. Uh, it is when I grew up and started watching movies. It's what I know you for mainly, but no, I know you can branch out. I know you like a little bit. No, I went, I went way back from before the 2010s to 2007 um, and wow. picked a, a film called Rocket yeah, yeah, it's a coming of age oh. comedy. Um, I feel like most people probably aren't familiar with it unless you watched my top 100, in which I had it, had it in there. Um, and so I want to, you know, kind of continue to boost the profile by making uh, people watch it. Although, actually, I think Zach and, and Brian had both already seen it. So um, I found two, two people who had actually already seen it, but I still think it'll be a fun one to talk about. Can't believe you picked a movie one year before Iron Man came out. This is crazy. <laughs> Uh, my enemy in this community, Zach Ford, but I really wanted Zach on this because I feel like one, he's great with um, uh, either creating awkward silence or killing the awkward <laughs> silence by talking for everybody. Uh, Zach, how are you doing and what'd you bring? Um, I'm doing good. I did come under false pretenses because from the video above, um, there's just like lots of food involved and there's no hors d'oeuvres, no snacks. This is some bullshit. You should have mailed you us. Bring your own. <laughs> you bring your own. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I brought um, Paper Moon, um, the Peter Bogdanovich movie. Um, one, you know, he's died recently, so it's a nice time to, to revisit. But also, I never visited in the first place. It's the first time watch for me. I'm the brave one on the panel to pick one I haven't seen before. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad you did that because I knew somebody at some point was going to do that, and I didn't know it was episode two. But I'm really excited about it because I think that's like the biggest risk reward. Like, oh, I've heard great things, but am I gonna like it? We'll find out. And Mark, Mark, uh, the man that talks way too much for this entire community, he never shuts up. Uh, Mark, how you doing tonight? And what'd you bring? I'm doing very well. Uh, I brought a. Uh, 
I brought the 2010s movie. Uh, it's a movie directed by man. I had pulled up. It's like a, I brought in Spring. You know, I don't know if many people heard about it before. I I thought it. I I really wanted to bring it on because this movie to me was a very fun first viewing, and it. I don't want to say too much about it. Other than that, I I kind of wanted to bring something to the table that I feel like maybe a a couple of people hadn't seen and just kind of just kind of get their thoughts uh, just fresh off of uh, something like Spring. Yeah. Um... We'll have those conversations, but we're going to wait for a little bit later on the show. Um, the first one, I think we're just going to start with. Um, it may be because, you know, I'm the host or what, but we're going to talk about Night of the Hunter first. We're going to just bring Night of the Hunter out. Uh, I know if you saw it before, I know some uh, um, had never seen it before. Um, uh, Charles Lawton directed it. Um, I think I think this is his only movie too that he directed. Yeah. Like now that's just crazy to me because I think I remember watching it. And it sat with me for a long time because I never gave it five stars. I gave it four and a half, and I sat there for a really long time. Like, why did I give this four and a half stars? Because I love this movie and I've talked about it a lot. So I wanted to put it on there. So rewatch. Um, what is everybody else's initial thoughts on Night of the Hundred? What did you know about it before? Or did you know anything prior, or just go from there? Honestly, I, I had seen it before, supposedly, because I logged it, um, but I didn't remember anything about it. Honestly, whenever I think of this movie, I get it mixed up with Cape Fear, the Robert Benjamin version of it. So I basically went into it mostly with a like a first time viewing for me. Yeah. I've yeah. seen it before also. Um, and remember enough, I was excited to revisit it. I'm excited you picked it because it is a, a perfect movie and such a important you know, it gets listed as like one of the best debuts of all time and probably is the best one and done films. Just an interesting artifact um, to examine, you know, as someone who just came and made one movie, um, how to do something so perfectly on the first time. Um, so happy to watch it again. Yeah. This was the first time watch for me, um, but certainly not the first time I heard of this movie. Um, you know, like Zach, I've heard that, you know, this is, one of the you know it, it it's, it's honestly appears high on a lot of movie uh, lists of just greatest movies of all time period um so it was you know kind of intimidating prospect in that regard you know it falls in like the southern gothic kind of subgenre which is something that I, I you know really strikes a chord with me so it was one of those that i always wanted to watch but i wanted to make sure i like set the right moment to, to watch it so that i could fully appreciate it um so i got, i'm glad that i got the initial push here to to finally do that um, by putting it on the show. Um, uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, uh, I had never heard of this movie. I, I, I'm pretty. I would say for the most part, like I, I can be kind of blank on a lot of classic films, and uh, this one was just. I, I thought cool. I'm. I'm always up for a a noir. I'm always up to watch watch some like kind of dark thing, and and to be honest, like I mean, I guess we'll get into it later. It just. This this one like went to places I, I didn't think it would go, and I was I was very much there for that. Yeah, and on that point, um, Cody was mentioning that um, it was the only film that Charles Lawton directed, and actually the reason for that, if you read into it more, is because it was not well received at all at the time, and he was so sort of like disappointed and disillusioned with what the reception of it is was that he didn't want to direct again. But I actually think some of that is because of what mark is mentioning that like it was very ahead of its time like in oh, terms of the dark cinematography, for a 50s film 
Yeah, yeah. In terms yeah. of the cinematography, in in that one regard, and it just unsettles you in a way that maybe people weren't quite ready for in the time period that it came out. Um, I, I mean, at the very beginning, it just kind of throws you off. I mean, because it has like that child song at the beginning that feels very melodic, feels very soothing, and then you hear what they're singing about, and you're like, "What the hell is it? What are we? What's hap- What's going to happen here?" Like that it's already so, kind of yeah. initially threw me off. It's also, definitely fighting against a lot of taboos. That is probably why it wasn't so received because it, you know, there's violence towards children insinuated through the whole time. You never enacted it, but you, it's hinted. That's the whole, you know, crux of the movie. There's a lot of sexual comments that I don't remember from the first time and how um, really blunt it is with some of this, this, the sexuality of the film, which for the early 1950s, it's like, woo! Um, can't believe, or mid 1950s, can't believe they got away with some of, some of these. Um, dialogue points um so it was it, as we said ahead of time so it probably rubbed a lot of people the wrong way also you know going against having a priest as a lead character and being someone so villainous probably definitely isolated some of the audience as well i mean yeah i think the 50s, i think the 50s for sure of like what they target like they use some like hymns throughout this and like make it into like a creepy manner of how like I just think the one thing about this movie is how short the movie is, but how much suspense is able to be like brought to your attention in 90 minutes of runtime. Like you, he, I think he, Robert Mitchum, I think it just has like this presence on screen that is like fearful. And like, even when he's like polite and like saying what he needs to, you know, how big of a scum, like how creepy he is on the, like, when he's talking to the people in the diner and like they're like talking about like her um i knew it from the hum- honeymoon and they're like ah oh, what did satan and like he just able to paint this picture and make everybody on the side but yeah um i would uh, i never knew that about charles lawton i knew he directed one i knew there was a reason i just never knew why was the reason he did and that makes perfect sense like he literally for his first movie just went out there and took a bat to basically like things that people held dear like and he's like we're gonna talk about this in this way well, and it's a great way yeah it's interesting though because i think if you actually look at like the all the religious stuff in the movie like it's yeah. it's maybe not as subversive as uh as people as you would originally think like you know again yes you do have robert mitchum's character who is the preacher and whatnot um, but then you have uh, the other character who uh, the silent actress, I can't think of her name, but who shows up that um, plays the woman that towards the end that takes in the children, um, who is like the ideal like Christian figure in the movie. And in the end, it's like almost um, still promoting a certain form of uh, Christianity, of religion in a way, but it's just wanting to acknowledge people who are more faithful and who are more. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, who, who adhere more to what Christianity or religion, whatever, should look like, rather than people like Robert Mitchum who are consumed by greed and everything. What, what I think is very interesting, um, it kind of foretold the very near future because this is like right before like televangelism became a huge thing, um, and then yeah. you know lead up later to like mega churches. But this is very much about like true faith versus like con artist faith and he is the con artist and televangelist the people in there for their own good you know using religion to get make their own needs versus i think still having very sincere belief by the end of the film with um lilinkish's character as being a true you know woman of christ and and she was the true faith and acting the morals taking care of all these kids um rather than just the verbiage she was christianity in action 
versus yeah words. Um. So one thing I want to touch on, especially about this movie, I'm not one that really normally cares or like doesn't boost up my score a lot for like how a movie's shot or what it looks like or how they're like that stuff. That's just stuff I don't care. We talked about those last time with Columbus. Like there's a lot of visual stuff that went there. It just didn't hit for me as much. Um, this is one that I found more and more like the way he shot this and the way like he's able to like draw the tension. Like there's a scene where the kids are like laying in the barn and the horse and you just hear the music playing and he's like, doesn't I ever stop like and they have to keep going like I felt like how they were able to tie um I thought also when they're like on the porch where she's like guarding the porch and like the shot and the song that's being played yeah. and like the how the cameras work I think that's one of the coolest shots in the entire movie like I think that's like the whole like one of the scenes is like he's just waiting outside basically and singing that song and she's like guarding watch I thought it was like did well, I guess my main question is like, what did you guys think about how the movie was shot and how it looked? I know, I don't know how everybody feels about that stuff. Maybe they may be completely different than what I am on that. Like, I don't really care much, but this is one that I started noticing and caught more of. And I guess maybe it was the fifties, the classics. Like, that's just they had less to work with what we got now, so they were what they were able to achieve is impressive to me. Yeah, I don't love this film as much as as you guys did. I think I was I was yeah. not. I, I it, it didn't work as well for me, but I will say that I did like a lot with the way a lot of the things were shot. Um, like I said, it kind of had like uh, Scott mentioned, it had kind of like Southern Gothic look to it. And the one shot that really stood out with me was when you saw the uh, the car with the woman underwater and her and her hair was flowing in the in the current and stuff. Yeah. That was a beautiful shot. It's insane the way that that they were able to pull that kind of a shot off in the time period that it was made, nineteen fifty five or whenever this came out. Yeah, like the underwater shot is like I was like wow, like that you know that would look cool today like if you were able to do that and at this point it was black and white by choice like color was available and an option um and just definitely using a lot of the noir techniques of using the black and white to really create shadows and um you know mysterious tension um and i think you know, a lot of us have all different shots that we have shared so far, and that, that says a lot about how great the cinematography and use of cameras in the movie, that we all took away with something different. I am, like, partial to rivers and movies. I just really like rivers. I think there should be a river in every movie. Um, so my favorite shot is the kids on the boat and their escape, and, and that, to me, was, like, the most Southern Gothic Gothic because you get this, you know, get the frogs, and you feel like you're in, like, the bayou or something. Um, as It's also just scary because you don't know what's to come for them. This is, like them becoming refugees in a way escaping onto this river um and it's perfectly dark you don't see enough but um and you also start to use the sound and just having those animal noises kind of in the background to kind of create this a little bit of like a lost feeling like a lost in the wild these kids on their own it's that's my favorite part of the movie and i, and I will say I, I i'm glad that that part did look so good and create that sense of dread yeah. because I got to say that that trip down the river felt like it took an half an hour. Just saying. That's why it's great. It should have been an hour. <laughs> so it's at least visually interesting. I, I liked yeah. it as a pause and as a transition, yeah. I think. Yeah. That's the movie to being the them at home and being tense versus the escape from him. Um, <clears throat> so. You know, um, I, 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 don't, I didn't want to say one quick thing. I, 
I, I honestly came in here a little bit, kind of wanted to complain at least a little bit about the movie making stuff about this. Although I, you guys did kind of bring up some good points <laughs> about the cinematography. I still will lay into the editing stuff. Like that, that could just be stuff that just maybe isn't super figured out by the 50s because there are some scenes that kind of went back and forth. And honestly, there was a shot that it's not for like a good reason because like there was, it was, it was right when uh, the kids escaped and it was like, and we see like Mitchum chasing the kids up, and he has like his Franken Frankenstein hands out there, like chasing them, and it looked yeah. like it really, it looked really strange. I'm like, this is a really odd choice. I don't know why we went there. It just, it was the guy's one of those a big body. I don't know how athletic he is. It's hard to control a big rigid body. He's priest. Um, I did want to go to Mark for a second because Mark, you said there's a lot of stuff that they did in the time, and. That's a spoiler for you. So you're, I mean, a spoiler. So you can talk about it. What were you surprised that they did for the fifties that you just didn't think that they would actually? I mean, I was really surprised. Like, just overall, how dark the film was. I think just really threw me off. The fact that, honestly, just as a whole, the Robert Mitchum character is so creepy. And unsettling, and I and I get it. This is like Depression era America, but he still decided to marry a woman and uh, be like a, a father to the children, and kind of become a man of this community for ten thousand dollars. Like, how psychotic do you have to be to like just go through these steps just for some money? I mean, well, for I that time, ten thing. grand is ten grand. Like, that's crazy that, money. Like, that seems like a lot better way to make money than him like picking vegetables on the farm. Like, I, 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 he'd rather like sleep in bed with a woman and like have a whole town love him. It's not worth ten thousand dollars. <laughs> and then and then after the kids the kids fucking escape and they're going down the river and he's still going after them. He's still like T one thousand in his way to the kids. I'm like is this guy ever gonna stop? No. My thing is why why the kids kept like putting up with it because like after he'd already like threatened to kill him and pull the knife on him and stuff they'd still like hang around and go out to dinner and sit at dinner table and and at the end of course when they they you know the girl runs to him and stuff I'm I'm, I'm not buying this stuff at all but it's just uh, yeah I'm not sure why the kids weren't creeped out by him I mean clearly they were but yeah they stuck around I don't know. Um, I, I think there's definitely some like trauma that the kids are facing. That's what the the last like shot is really signaling that where he's like seeing his dad all over again while Robert Mitchum is getting arrested. And he he's like going back to like I don't want to arrest him either because there's trauma of like seeing a man arrested in front of me. So when you know when you experience different things, you're you're willing well, to accept different parts of your life. I get what they're uh, going for there with him seeing his dad, but his dad never tried to kill him with a knife. Just saying. You don't know that. As far as we know. know. Yeah. Um, So it seems like, I don't know. I think three of us are on the positives, like this movie a good amount. I think maybe two are on the fence. Or I know Brian didn't like it as much. Mark, where do you lie on this? Like, overall. I think overall, I still like the story quite a bit. Uh, The, like, just just kind of the turns it takes. And I really enjoy, even... Even when the story's kind of on its hinges, I really like whenever I'm going into when we're halfway through the second act, and I don't know what's going to happen. And that 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 happened pretty. That by the 45 minute mark, I, I had no idea what's going to happen. I was on the fence on whether or not both kids were going to make it out or not. So completely fair. So um, uh, 
for Zach and uh, um, Scott, did anything not work for you in the film that you just didn't like about it, or or did it all work um, for you? I do, I do love the movie. I do think it falls into the 1950s trap at the end of game, like a little over your head with its moralism. Um, the Lillian Gish character is a little, um, I don't know, strong in that, like trying to correct the taboos of the rest of the movie. It's like, we're, we're, we're not really thinking this. We're going to have this very moral, perfect character that shows what our real signs are. And it's a little bit of an easy way out. Um, and, a, and a little, um, I don't know the word I'm trying to think of. It just gets a little more boring with what she's trying to say. She could have been a more dimensional character, but I do think it's still like a perfect movie other than that. And I kind of forgive it because that's just kind of part of making movies at the time. Yeah, I mean, I was actually going to kind of say a similar thing, which is that, you know, it could have gone further, which would be with with the whole, you know, religious critique type angle. Um which would have made it, you know, even more interesting for the air, I think. I mean, ultimately, I like personally, like I agree with what the movie kind of is saying. So I, I you know, I find it hard to critique that too much, but um, it still would have been fascinating to see it go even further and not present someone like the Lillian Gish character who, yeah, is a little bit one note in terms of, yeah, she's a trope. She's kind of a trope, like the, you know, stern, but good hearted, you know, very faithful you know, woman who they just happen to serendipitously come across here in the same, you know, area that they live. So um, that that's the only thing for me. And, and it's not like a super rewatchable movie or something, if you care about that, for me at least. But uh, otherwise, I mean, it's phenomenal. I think it's rewatchable. <laughs> um, I, I agree with you. Um, so overall, yeah, I'm kind of ashamed that I I could imagine what Charles Lawton could have done with other films. Like I think he I think he had clearly in this movie, I, you could tell like he had the ability to be a director. It was just the wrong time for him. Um, so I guess we'll just go around and get everybody score like what you guys would have given this movie. I'm bad. I'm up to a five. It's five. I love this movie. I thought it was great. I enjoyed everything about it. Um, we'll go to Zach next. I give it a 10 out of 10, which is a 5. I don't believe in half stars. Fair enough. Uh, Scott? Four and a half. Loved it. Okay. Mark? Uh, okay, to annoy Zach, I'm going to give it a 3.75 out of 5. That's not a thing. <laughs> On Letterboxd, three and a half? Okay. Three and a half. Uh, On Letterboxd, okay. Called you till three and a half. And Brian? Um, you know, that it, most of it was the act. He was a little over the top for me. Uh, I, I ended up going with a two and a half. Um, I do want to make one side note. Uh, the kid who played John, if you've ever seen Mickey Mouse era, Ryan Gosling, dead ringer, just saying. <laughs> um, so far on the show, two for two with giving Brian a two and a half star movie. I'm really impressed with myself. Men of um, Honor and Night of the Hunter, apparently, on the same quality. <laughs> equal, equal movies. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so, again, there's no rhyme or reason why I decide what order we're going to go to, but uh, I'm going to go to Rocket Science next. Okay. Uh, um, Scott, kind of what... Uh, why did you pick this overall? And then we'll talk about our initial thoughts on it after that. Yeah. So like I was saying um, up front a little bit, you know, it's, it's one of like the most obscure movies that's in my personal top 100, if not the most obscure movie i came across this movie. So just to describe sort of what the movie is, it's um, 
set in a high school and it's um, specifically set in the world of high school debate. Um, and it's about this kid, Hal, who has a stuttering problem, um, who ends up getting recruited by Anna Kendrick um, as a girl named Jenny, who um, is like the champion debater of the school and like super type A personality, talks a million miles an hour, like a Sorkin character. Um, and she seemingly inexplicably at first recruits him to join the debate team, even though he has this crippling defect, which, you know, allows him to, which prevents him from being a smooth public speaker. Um, I, you know, as I have talked about before, you know, participated, have participated in mock trial, public speaking type stuff since I was in high school. Um, and I'm still a coach, you know, still very much part of that world. It's something that's very personal to me that I relate to a lot. So, Debate is not quite the same thing, but the personalities are the same and like this world is kind of the same. And so just like the scenes of them, like at the tournaments and they're carrying the, you know, cases around full of their research and everything and they're wearing suits and it's, you know, it, it all of that stuff just like is is really like personal to me because I, you know, that I have so many memories of that sort of thing. So I love that there's a movie set in this world because there's just not many stories that get told in this world. So that's one of the reasons I picked it. Um, I also think the movie is hilarious, honestly. Like, I, I know it, it, maybe not everyone, everyone's style of humor. It's kind of a Wes Anderson-y like, type Wes of Anderson, movie yeah. in general. But um, the, the supporting characters in this movie are just like hilarious. Some of them are just like so random. The kid who is like they encounter who um, just lives in, across the street from Anna Kendrick's um, home. Like the weird stuff that he gets up to is funny. Um, judge pete who is like the stepdad type character hilarious again I, I think it's a really funny movie i think it has a good message i think it's realistic um honestly in the way that it portrays his coming of age it doesn't give you some big sports movie victory at the end spoiler alert but it does give you a sort of catharsis that i think makes sense for the character um and so, I, I mean, I'm I, I absolutely love this movie. In rewatching it again, I was like, yeah, I, I still don't get why this movie is like just basically doesn't exist. Uh, people just don't really know about it. It feels like anymore. But um, that's that's one of the reasons I picked it. So I'll just go. My initial thought is I had no clue about this movie. I had zero thoughts. Um, I didn't watch a trailer or anything. Um, I was a freshman. Around that time frame when this movie came out, I never heard of it. Never even popped on my radar. I saw, you know, Jonah Hill and uh, Anna Kendrick. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. this is weird. I've never heard of that. Mm -hmm. um, so I had no initial thoughts going into it. I'll share my opinions. But anybody else have any real initial, like, did anybody know about this movie? I guess two people did. Because yeah. Brian and um, Zach, you guys watched it previous? Yeah. I seen okay. it in 2007. Um, I was I was a freshman in college. I watched it on DVD. Um, I think probably because it did get so much like Wes Anderson comparisons, or just kind of a lot of these, or no, Bombback, a lot of these indie comedies. I was just kind of really get into as most like eighteen year olds at liberal arts school probably do get into. Um, so it seemed right up my alley. I will say at, at my initial viewing, I remember being extremely disappointed with what it does. By the time I rewatched, I had no memory why. <laughs> So it was nice to revisit it and um, kind of re-battle with those opinions and ideas. 
Yeah, I just watched the first time, I don't know, in the last couple of years. Uh, and and I, I think it's because I was, you know, looking for like Anna Kendrick movies, basically. So kind of going back through her filmography. And this one I had picked up at the used DVD store for like a buck. So I finally sat down and watched it. And um, kind of like he was saying, I, I, I remember not loving it, but liking it. And I rewatched it this time. And I actually enjoyed it quite a bit more i think I, I do have some problems with it which i'll get into later but i, I really did enjoy it and i like seeing not only her but i mean uh, uh you saw that, that ukarsh, ukarsh um who has been with pitch perfect and stuff like that uh nick degasto who i know from like fired up and <laughs> final destination Joe margo Hart, martindale yeah margo martindale so it's, it's got a great cast all, all across uh yeah um, i had never heard it again i've never heard of this movie and i find it weird just because these movies Especially high school me. I was really into these type of movies. The kind of weirdo high school kid, does no direction, doesn't really like, and he finds something kind of interested in or he gets pushed into, usually from either just vain interest in what he's getting into, usually a girl. You know, I, I ate that shit up when I was in high school. Although I got to tell you, if I saw this in high school, it would have bummed me the fuck out. Like, I'll, I'll just be right out there and say it. I mean, one thing I found funny was a it was a Reese Thompson was the kid who I'd only seen in Parks of Being a Wallflower and right. like a stupid assassination of a high school president. Love that movie, by the <laughs> way. Might bring might bring it up in a future episode if I get asked back. But <clears throat> it's but, actually uh, I looked him up and I was like I I because he was really good in this movie. And so I'm like, well, what else has this kid done? And I saw he was in all these other movies like Parks of Being a Wallflower. I didn't remember him in those movies that I saw. So I don't know. I guess it just never really took off. I mean, I do want to bring up something that Scott, you already brought up. When you kind of thought it had a nice message, I kind of want to know what you think that is because, to me, the point of this movie is that there is no message, because the the crux of this seems to be that we're going to do an anti coming of age film, where yeah, like that that's what we're doing here. We'll unpack that in a second. So the one thing is, I I think there are people I like this movie more than I thought I would. I will just say that right now. I did. So this is one of those movies that creates a world that make like makes you like feel like so uncomfortable why it's like for this character at times like this is the most real like one of the most real coming of age but not coming of age movies that I've seen in a really long time because they they don't he doesn't like get his come like he doesn't like make this big gradual change and like every he's a great like debater at the end of it. No, he sucks throughout the entire thing. He he can't do it. He he got tricked by this girl because he, he thought she was. Well, I mean, he does, but like, but but that's my viewpoint. Like, he still like got bamboozled, but it, in getting bamboozled by this girl, ends up changing his life and helping him out of a, a, a situation. But this movie made me like super uncomfortable in like just the, I guess the correct way because I'm like this poor guy like is just. When the eight minute counter and they're timing him, and he's just having a rough time. And then he's sitting across, like, there's that scene where he's sitting across the table and he's like, Oh, I'm just telling him how much you love debate. I can't, it's full. <laughs> he's like, No, somebody bombs out. They always let somebody join. And he's like, How about when he tries to do the axe one? That was, yeah. Amazing <laughs> no, <laughs> I get down and dirty. <laughs> This movie shouldn't should I should be on like my lower end, but I was hooked the entire time watching it. I had a, I had fun watching it the entire time because I think it was I think this movie holds like such a true way of doing this kind of story 
that most ones like you know like oh the geeky kid becomes a football player and he's the greatest athlete alive like this one just stayed true to what it was like he gets more confidence but he still can't do the thing that he was really doing yeah, like you have know that traditional like happy happy ending it's like it's, it's which totally anticlimactic actually because like, like. the big debate and get disqualified okay wait wait what which i loved because i because i think if he would have cheated it would have went down for me but yeah, since he would have like, stayed true yeah. yeah, like when he opens that door, like I at the end, like when he opens the door in Anna Kendrick, basically, and just like stumbles through everything, basically, but like and just walks out and she's talking back. You know he's won at that time, basically at that point. But I don't want to talk to it. Again, this is a movie I didn't think I would like, but I actually really did come around and enjoy it. So I'm glad Scott brought it in because I thought I would never have saw this movie in the other time. When I say oh. it had a nice message, I don't mean to say that it was like heartwarming. I mean to say that I liked where the the direction that it goes in the end. And I mean, the last scene, right, is with him and his dad. And um, he's trying to say, you know, that all this stuff shouldn't be rocket science, but he can't actually say rocket science. And it's kind of like um, a metaphor for, uh, I mean, again, he's, he's, he's basically trying to say that like th these coming of age, love, these ideas are like simple ideas, but they are really hard in practice. And it's hard to explain why they are so hard in practice, just like it is hard to explain why he cannot order a the piece of pizza instead of the fish from the, you know, the lunch when he wants to every time. It's like there are these roadblocks that we can't really explain why they are in the way, but they are and they are very hard to overcome. And he can slightly overcome it by being able to order the pizza or by actually getting through a intro to his debate by singing. Um, but like the, the hard part is still to come and we don't know whether he is going to be able to overcome that. And as a character, I find him fascinating too, because even though we should be like 100% empathetic rah, rah with him or whatever, he's kind of like a hard character to fully connect with Hal because he's still like immature in the way that he reacts to a lot of these situations. Um, I love the pizza scene at the end or near the end. That's very important for me to say near the end. Um, I, I wish it ended on that scene because that's where it fair. ended with a point that was the interesting part of the movie or the really moving part of the movie is him, you know, that shows his growth. He accomplished something. He's able to, you know, have more confidence and speak up a little bit, if not, if not debate, but take more control and power in his life. And I just love the little joke of like the fist pump as he gets his pizza and that, that bit of pride. It's a, it, it would be a great yeah, moment to end it. Now, my big issue with this movie, this is a very frustrating movie for me because <laughs> um, there's a lot of things I like. And I love the tone. And I, I want to talk about the music a little bit later. I talked to Scott before about like movies where good soundtracks can fool you in if they can you like this movie better because I'm like some parts I'm like ah is this do I like this movie but like then I think about it and there's so much frustrating but I really just like the songs <laughs> these are the songs um but because what's really frustrating and I want other than like the Anna Kendrick character is extremely frustrating but also the um ending like loses the priority of the it's like this isn't a movie about gaining confidence in yourself and coming of age. It's really about love, which is like why I even have it in debate at that point. It's really about how to deal with, you know, romance as a teenage and trying to figure out girls and that whole conversation of that rather than having anything to do with the speech of or what the rest of the movie was 
seem like it was focused on it. And it makes you really look at the film in a different way, in a much less interesting way. Um, since that's like saying this is the thesis of the movie if they're ending with it. Um, and I just want to say with that too, rocket science, that makes me even think more as a thesis because it's named after that conversation. It's really about how dealing with girls is rocket science. You're never going to figure out. Um, a much more boring topic. It's a horrible fucking title. It should be like a science Olympiad then. It's nothing to do with the movie. It should have been a debate-related title. It's nothing to do with the quality of the movie, but it's a bad title. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't disagree. That's why you bring Zach, because he brings the logic. He brings the logic. I don't disagree that it definitely could have ended with the pizza scene, and that was like my reaction the first few times I watched the movie. Now I've kind of learned to appreciate the last scene. I don't think he is solely talking about like your relationship with girls and everything in that in the in that final scene. I think he's talking about like the process of coming of age in general. But yes, it does sort of dilute the. But I mean, there there is a running thread through the movie about like relationships, not just him and Anna Kendrick, but like what he is seeing with his parents who like the movie basically opens up with them splitting up. And then we have like the judge Pete relationship, which is like just ridiculous. And the movie ends up in with the, it, you know, the relationship is ending in the same way, basically with judge Pete, like leaving in much the same way that yeah. his dad leaves in the beginning of the movie. So that makes I, me I mean, think I, it's more about, that's the theme of the movie because the book ends. That's with part it, of it. But you know. and the relationship I mean, with his I brother felt real too. I like, I like the way he did yeah. with his brother. So I mean, and, yeah, and I, I like across the board. I liked with his brother. Yeah, I like the scene where like, you know, he's just like he's kind of a bully to him the whole time. But then there's like the one human moment or whatever where he really sees that Hal is like fully going through it, and he's like there's cake in the fridge or whatever it is he says to him or whatever. It's like the one nice act that he, he performs towards in the entire movie. And it just like, it, it humanizes the character like just ever so slightly. I, I mean, I, I, I just want to finish. Yeah, right. I, I, I kind of echo, echo a lot of that too. Cause I, I mean, cause essentially in that final conversation, he's trying to reach out to his dad, trying to, trying to get some life advice. Like, is this ever going to get easier? And his dad is like, oh, I don't know if I can get you home, son. I, I, I got lost. I lost my Google Maps. And like, like, in, like the, the kid's just getting nothing. Like, I mean, it's staying true, at least to the we, we aren't even going to give this kid even kind of a win. They couldn't even give him give him a round one debate victory. And they were like, yeah, you know, and especially talking ordering to the pizza was a win. I mean, he went, to, he, went to, he went to a pizza shop where they only had cheese pizza. What the hell else was he going to order? He said it though. It's not getting the pizza. It's that he said it. He does make the joke like you don't have fish. <laughs> like I can't get fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm in the camp that I wish it would have ended on the pizza scene. I like that. I thought that was like finally, and then it carried on. But the whole time I was watching this, I was thinking uh, again. I don't know what I I looked it up earlier, but I don't know exactly what uh, the other direct, the director has done. But I got very lucky. Also with Anna Kendrick, which I actually love that movie. If you haven't seen Table 19, check it out. Oh, okay. I, I enjoyed the movie. I sat there the entire time and got like some Wes Anderson vibes the entire time. And I sat there halfway through the movie. And I was like, something in me is telling me I can't like this movie right now. Where it's good, because it was very Wes Anderson-like. But I think this is like the subject matter that just, like, uh, just worked for me overall. Um, I thought, like I said, I think this is one of those 
one of those coming of age slash not because it's so weird. Like I don't know how to even. Put, it is a coming of age movie, but yeah. like it's just um, no. I just yeah. I think that how real it felt the entire time is what made me hook into it, and I wish more coming of age movies had those realistic things like this one did. Like. Because I think, like, a lot of the frustrations, like, Mark's even saying, like, give this guy, kid, something. Like, this kid's life is so rough at this point. But, like, I think that just makes it uh, true. Like, some, some, that's the coming of age story that some people need because some kids just don't get the comeuppance, don't that's get right. the better life. That, that life doesn't get better. So just yeah. give up, be average. No, I'm not saying give it up, but, you know, hey. You know, if my kid comes in here singing one day and they their tone deaf, I'm like, hey, maybe not singing, but maybe you could be a chess player. You know, I don't want to hear that the entire time. So you know, if you my to, kid you, you have to appreciate the small victories because there's always going to be some big thing in the way that like keeps you. But what friend, small victory? You know? He had no small victory. There's nothing. You keep bringing up the pizza thing. That, that is not true. Victory. He has he has three <laughs> small he has three small victories. At the he has three. He has three. He is able to get through the de- the debate. Second, he tells off Anna Kendrick like he you know has been wanting to. And third, he orders the pizza. All of those are small victories. Now if yes, I... all of them all of them are equally juxtaposed, like I'm saying with Oh, he he sings through the debate, but then they get disqualified. Like, oh, he tells off Anna Kendrick, but then he's like alone walking on the beach. Oh, he gets the pizza, but then he has to have this speech with his dad. Like, I laughed really hard. Us saying it's small victories, even calling labeling it that, is from our perspective as people who are able to speak somewhat clearly. You know, I'm still struggling somewhat. To him, to the character, I feel like they make it seem like big victories. Like his arm raising, doing a thing. That's like a huge accomplishment for something he's never been able to come from. So you just have to view it from the perspective of the character and our expectations, like how people function. I will say I laughed really hard when he opened that door and said, I was killing it. Was was I killing it? I've I've heard worse. (laughs) I've heard worse. Like that was like such a great. I love the thing that Anna Kendrick's character does too, where like she does it a couple times, where she's like debating and she like walks towards the door and she like walks out the door and continues talking, but she like turns to him, but she like continues talking. She never stops talking. Yeah, she loses. Right? She spent like two minutes of her debate yelling at the kid. There's no way she wins. Like I said, she like yelled. <laughs> I said I watched this movie because of Anna Kendrick, but I actually thought she was phenomenal in this. I mean, even just in this early role, you could tell like she had the makings of a star. And it blows my I mind the, that there's only this is only two years before Up in the Air. And I was that just I love the like, first scene on the bus where she just like tells off his brother uh, and is like talking about how oh well you know based on how much my parents make versus your uh, parents or whatever I think the bus seat is actually substantially more uh, more mine than it is yours or whatever just like debates him off of out of the seat basically you know oh, I don't I wanna... say the, the one laugh out loud moment I had because because I know Cody mentioned his uh, it was um, when they were looking through the Kama Sutra. Yes. And the one kid says, I tried this one on my dog, but he wouldn't sit still and he died a month later. <laughs> I, I want to make that a kid is just I, so random. Want to see a bra? <laughs> I love that kid. I, I want to say a little thing about the game. Although we're talking about Anna Kendrick, I want to say it's probably a good thing that this is kind of earlier in her career. Just because I, I one thing I really like about this movie was they, they didn't go out of their way to try to make Anna Kendrick's character likable. Like oh, for, no, no. For, after the second half, they were like, "No, she's just kind of a piece of shit," and she's I, kind of I kind of think that the sabotages debate team. 
And she also doesn't really I, give a shit about the kid either. It's like she doesn't care about him at all. Yeah, it's all a strategy. I, I think that's a major problem with the movie. I like her performance with a character that is horribly written and horribly used. Um, because like she well, there is some, you know, same with like 500 Days of Summer, some questionability of like this sad guy's life is affected by the devilishness of women. She's just like an evil woman that tricks him with love and how all nice boys are tricked by evil, mean women um, when he's like the real dick and throwing cellos through windows and hers is not near as bad. Um, but you're supposed to root for him. And, um, and they don't really give her much of a, of, of a reason for any of her behaviors or explanation for what's going on other than like maybe she switched schools so she can win because she destroyed this other team, which is just kind of a bad strategy. There's also like 30 other teams at this fucking tournament. But she, but she has this. She has the loss, right? I mean, that that's what it's all about is she has she loses in the beginning because Ben Wexelbaum cannot complete his argument because he he blanks out or whatever. So what does that have to do with with? her plan because she but she 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 has to go to these links in order to get the win basically that eluded her that's all i mean that's really her only motivation which maybe yes, is, is what you're saying there's other teams involved so that's not a good strategy to make sure you win is take just take down she's getting rid team. of the the competition i mean i i yeah we, we don't know the full context i guess of what yeah, the, the wrestling of the debate teams in the it, region a, are stretch of a um, move for her to create, you know, conflict for what they want the story to tell. I, I don't I think mean, it's a very natural conflict that was created whatsoever. I mean, that's, I think that speaks to her awfulness that her plan makes no sense. And she does it anyway, because she's yeah. kind of a terrible person. Yeah, that's the issue. They just make her a terrible person and not a real person. <laughs> they just make her the villain so you can root for this poor young boy. Well, I don't think I don't think you fully root for him though. Again, to go back to my my point, like so, I think this agonist. But I think this one is like. Character. I think some of this is me middle of the road for most people, but we'll find out. Um, uh, anything else you want to bring up about rocket science before we get the scores for this one? I will say the Music. one thing. The one thing that dragged it down for me uh, a little bit. Um, for mm -hmm. for a movie where the crux of the movie is all about debate. I've never participated in or watched debate like on a, like in schools or whatever, but it didn't even seem like anybody was debating. It just seemed like speed reading notes. It was that's, annoying that's, to listen to. Yeah. And it's like, I can't see how you can convince anybody about anything because there's nothing you can't retain or it's a Caleb Coho strategy. It's like, it's, how, it's, how it is. it's just like, let me speed read my thesis I wrote. And that, that, that annoyed me. So that just brought my score down a little bit. So. But that's authentic. That is literally how high school debate is. There's a term. I, know, I never watched high school debate. <laughs> It does seem like a horrible technique because no one can hear you. So how are you making your point? Well, the judges that they have, at least in theory, yeah. are experienced enough to like be able to pick out the. But you know, the idea is just that you you, re you do it as fast as you can, so you can get through. Number one, you can get through as many points as you want, and number two, so that the other team has harder a harder time responding to you. I was working very and the style of your speaking approach, which they don't well, use. That's why I didn't like, do it because I think I mock trial is better preparation for actual public. That speech. makes that makes perfect sense because Coho did say he did debate before, and if you've ever debated him, he speed talks, and I think that's probably yeah. part of the debate. I was with Brian. I, I didn't bring that up, but I was with that because I didn't know much about high school debate, and I was just like, oh my god! Like as somebody that has to judge like fans over, I was like. 
Somebody you start. Know, you imagine if fan zone with just people just speed reading this. I, I was like, I, I lost you by Spider Man. Like I was confused. So overall, um, my favorite part was when he was doing the song because I could follow that. Um, uh, so we're, we'll get scores. We're gonna start with Scott Harvey because you brought the movie. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a five out of five. Uh, the only other moment I want to mention is when he goes to the laundromat to get Ben Wexelbaum, and he's like. That's God doing your laundry back there. I love I love that scene. Uh, I'm at a three and a half on this one. Three and a half. Um, I enjoyed it more than I thought. So, uh, Mark. Uh, oh, you're pretty, pretty, it, it, pretty it, critical. I mean, for for the for these for the fact that I I kind of just sitting with it more and more. I kind of love just how anti it is towards this entire genre even though as a whole i kind of want the cut and dry version of a coming of age movie more yeah but just for what it's going with i'm gonna give it a four out of five yeah, four out of five okay uh zach i've been wavering between two and a half and three and a half this whole conversation because like the three and a half is like i love the music and it's like very watchable and i love it <laughs> Difference to get rid of a three. I'll give it some points for how. I, I thought half stars didn't exist to you. So. No, it's a it's a seven out of ten would be a three and a half. Thank you. I, I go do a ten point score. So okay. that's what we should think of. So I give it a six and out of ten. Brian, I think I let Brian go last twice, so I apologize for that. But Brian, no, I, I originally had it rated as a three. This time I have to do a three and a half. Yeah, overall. Um, so on the scale, uh, I have a private list for a round table. I have them all ranked as, a, as I'm going through all the movies that I watched on there. And yeah, it's higher than Columbus. So, uh, that's, that's, we're, 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 we're at a plus. It's close to nine. Not a bad movie. I just overall just wasn't like Compared those two movies to each other. <laughs> true, true, true. Um, I think the next one, I think I just... Yeah, I think it's the time to pull it out, and then we'll finish with the last two that I was a little bit more positive. Because, again, I don't know anybody else how they feel. So the one I'm more positive on, I'm going to save for the end. This one, we're just going to talk to the crux. I need to unpack this movie, because I've been saying about what the fuck half the time watching this movie. We're going spring. We're going spring next. Spring is what we're going to talk about. Mark, uh, (laughs) you can go into it, and then we can just have our conversation. You know, uh, I, I feel, I feel, I had a feeling this was gonna, this was coming. Like if there was gonna be a movie that that was brought up today that was not gonna hit with you, it would be mine. I, I just, I had a feeling that was gonna happen. But you know, I, I came across this movie. Uh, I think it was like, it was like maybe like seven years ago. I think I was, I was just, it was like eleven o'clock. Should have gone to bed, but I was like, you know what? Uh, I'll, I'll start a movie, see what happens. And it turned out to be spring. And I, I had my mind blown that night. I didn't know. I, I didn't know what to expect. I just kind of heard like this faint comment of like it's it's kind of like a link later in Del Toro. Like what, what if one of their one of their movies had a baby? It was it was such a weird comment I heard, and I thought, well, this could be interesting. And that's kind of what it was. I mean, it was it, it was so strange. I kind of love how it ends up at the end, basically just being about love. But people go on from there. So, first initial thoughts. I don't know. Brian's the only one that saw this prior, previous. Did anybody else like know much about this movie prior to like 
I know the directors, Vincent, yeah. and, Vincent and Moorhead, like I'm familiar with them. I don't think I've actually seen any of their films, but um, I I was familiar with them, but not actually with this specific movie. Yeah, same. same Vincent Moore, yeah, Vincent Moorhead has had this reputation of these interesting um, kind of low budget sci-fi filmmakers um, that have never really hit to the next level. But they, I think they kind of have caught fan base, a lot of people who are very interested in what they're doing. Um, so I heard of this movie just from that, but knew nothing about the plot. I had no more interest in it. Brian, how did you discover this movie? Um, I actually belong to a, a different online forum, uh, just kind of a, you know, a trainer message board kind of thing uh, and they'd always have these things or they'd, they'd we'd always like recommend movies like you had to, everybody's supposed to recommend a movie and everybody else watched them kind of like this kind of thing we got going on but it wasn't a, it wasn't a video chat it was just a message board kind of thing and uh and yeah somebody i think during halloween time or something they're like here here's an un unusual one try this one and i knew nothing about it going in and yeah yeah we'll get into that <laughs> okay so i just want to I, I'm really curious about what everybody else thought about this movie. This movie did not hit for me in the slightest. It just didn't. Um, I, I, a B movie would be the closest thing that I may have, like, where I put this movie at. Like, I think the acting is atrocious in this film. Like, if I had to be real. Like, that's where I started. Um, I thought the guy, I don't know who he is. I don't, I didn't have the bother to look him up Lou and see what Taylor he's doing. Pucci. Have I, I think he, I think he's awful. Like, the stuff he tries to translate and like, if it's about love, I ain't getting it overall. Um, but like, I, there were elements that like drew me back in, but then threw me right back out of it. Like, there were multiple things that ended up happening like that. Um, I did laugh a few times, but I don't know if it was uncomfortable laughter or like I wasn't supposed to laugh at that point, but I laughed anyways. Like that's where it came for me. Overall, initial like before we get into like certain stuff, just your thoughts about the film. Like, did you guys did you guys were you guys more positive than me? I'm just curious where we're sitting. Um, I think I probably had some of the same issues as you, Cody. Like, I, I don't think that the two either of the two lead actors have a ton of charisma and i think this is unfortunately a movie that um depends a lot on the actors having charisma in order for it to succeed because like mark says in the end it is you know that the very last moment is supposed to be kind of an emotionally stirring moment of like a decision being made to choose love quote unquote and i did not feel that way because I didn't feel very much towards these characters. You know, I the Linklater comparisons, obviously it gets compared to like before, before trilogy, I guess, because of, you know, the nature of how they meet and everything. But um, I didn't find that the conversations were nearly as interesting as they are during the Linklater movies. They don't go as deep as Linklater. I mean, it's a high bar. It's like an impossible bar almost. But I felt like these were kind of just pretty one note like guy writing conversation that you would have with you know, after a serendipitous meeting between a man and a woman it, it just it felt very like surface level i guess is what i'm trying to say the conversations that they were having and i didn't feel they really went to an interesting place to where i saw them as more interesting people so that was kind of my main issue but i i mean i didn't hate it it was interesting to watch and um 
you know, I, I appreciate what they were going for. It just, it never fully came together. I definitely see the comparisons and I, I actually, I, I, yeah. I do think it felt very much like before sunrise. It was definitely going for that same kind of thing with this guy, you know, meets this woman abroad and the whole thing is basically just this daily conversations with her. And, uh, and then of course there's like this kind of dark mystery kind of just, you're seeing little peaks of what's going on and eventually it kind of explains itself. But it's, it's funny because in my review on letterbox, I wrote, um, you know, what the fuck did I just watch? Is this before sunrise meets species? And then I look at later on and one of the posters actually says it's Richard Linklater meets H.R. Giger. I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of what I just said. So so it all worked out. But I mean, it's I, I don't think it's on the level of Before Sunrise, obviously, but I think it's definitely got that same vibe to it. And then but I but I like that they kind of kind of put a twist on it. You know, it's it's like, let's, OK, let's do this kind of story, but in kind of a I don't know, horror, I guess, kind of twist on it. And I kind of. I kind of respect it for taking that uh, kind of crazy shot. I want to say a couple positive things before we all just start trashing the movie. Um, <laughs> is, is I do really like the concept of the film, and, and which I think is what Vincent and Moorhead make their money on, is they have these really interesting concepts, um, even if they don't execute it perfectly, um, or like it doesn't exist in a real world like they think it does. They want it to be like this um, before sunrise, world but there's so much artificiality and a lot of the side characters that they just don't realize are so one note and artificial um and the, but the other thing and this is a big disagreement with what the um some of you have already said is i actually really love the performance of nadia nadia hilker i think she's really great um i do agree that taylor pucci is not so what the character what the um script wants him to be um but i think she is seductive in the right way she's mysterious in the right ways she's just has just a little i, th I think just the right level of status she, you don't want to make her like too like freaked out by the situation because she's been living with this for centuries and everything but still there's a little bit of devastation for what what her life is becoming um that she is but um i'm really enthralled by everything she's giving on the screen um but yeah the other guy um it's not working because because they really think that like this is such a good old boy um the script really thinks that this is like the best man he possibly can, can be he's like just a little bit tough stands up for himself in the bar goes for his family is smart enough to you know go to college it has all these things that really make you think he's a perfect little man but he's kind of a little ass still himself um and just not like romantic or seductive at all um and the whole end of the movie clint um hinges on you believing in the relationship and the love between these two characters and you can't buy it not not not, for me yeah yeah not because of Nadia hoker you have no reason why he can like persuade anyone to make these decisions and and in life like because he's kind of a dweeb yeah it's like it, it's they're <laughs> in italy they're in italy right and she is yeah. like you know obviously this gorgeous woman it's like why would he be the guy that like can break her out of this thousand? I, yeah. You know, it's kind of let down a little bit by its own. Like you, you would have really had to have someone special in that role probably to be able to pull. It. I will say the scene where avatarness, like, as in like they, this was an avatar. I think for Warhead or Benson, there's like this is my dream scenario. If I go to Italy and this demon girl changes her life for me, is so I feel like they're he, they're just playing themselves. Yeah, real quick, because like the start of the movie, I feel like they want you to believe like yeah, he's like the struggling dude or whatever. Like he loses his job, 
but then he just like goes to Italy and is like, yeah, I'm just going to stay here. Like, I feel like that was just a well, little. He wants Italy to run away like, from the law is what he's doing. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think, I, I think that's where my biggest problem was. I think she's fine as an actress. No problem with that. I think if you're a male in this movie, you're garbage. Like, I think overall, I didn't like any of the male performances. I think they're all terrible. But like the writing was the thing that like he's the cop shows up to his apartment he looks out the window and he's like oh my passport oh yeah i can just travel wherever i want to and then goes um he's on the in the bus or what or on the ride and goes oh anywhere i'm i'm hung over and like looks at the lady extra where should i go what are we doing here like he just lands on italy he just goes to italy he meets like the two he most the money to do this is my question right he just meets the two i can't i really can't be unemployed but i can afford italy he meets like these two guys of the most like welcoming okay. men of all times like come on hang out with us you're cool blah 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 oh, those no. were actually pretty great though the kind of fucks everyone is a fuck oh, boy oh, <laughs> this whole movie. without a without a question they are that's what makes them entertaining to watch every, every, absolute lads. the part <laughs> I mean, I was, what, what? go ahead as was, one of the notes i had was i wonder how many of them are gonna hit, have an issue with the big drunk guy <laughs> I well, I my the part where I was like, this guy's a terrible actor, and how is he in this role? Is what I thought. The, that's from Jump Street, and then when they get together and they and she wakes up, and I just see her face like doing the thing, and I'm like, holy sh! Because if you read like, because I didn't know much about it, because there's a dark secret with this person. I'm just like, oh fuck! Of course, it's fucking vampire something bullshit, and like she's like tweaking out in the middle of the thing. I was like, okay, well, Mark definitely picked the anti-Cody movie of the week. Here we go, because I am completely out at this point. Like, the one part that brought me back in was, like, when they were in the church or whatever. It was like, oh, the demon's doing heroin. Like, that part made me laugh. But overall, well, the church was weird because it's like, it, they had that scene, like, like, they're sitting there talking, and the tail kept popping up like it's sentient, like it's going to attack by itself. Yeah! It just felt like it was out of a different movie. You know, it's just kind of weird. It decided to be a comedy when it wanted to be. <laughs> yes, because he was just like he was like her face is turning, the tentacles behind him. He's like, really, just stick yourself in the arm already. What the fuck? I was like, this is a comedy now. And then I'm gonna be honest, the ending just pissed me off. Like, to, like, like this is my acceptance. The volcano's going off. They they already foreshadowed like the stuff there is like, oh well, we'll just like. Kiss my ass. I was, I was actually digging most of the movie. It was basically once he found out what she was, I kind of felt like the movie fall, sure. fall apart after yeah. that. It's like I, I kind of I was gonna say, yeah, it. I agree, but I don't on that. But I, I didn't hate it as much until she he hated it more when he found out. It's too complicated. Like movies like this, I feel like are always better served by being just simpler and not getting lost in like the actual plot of it all. And really, again, it's going towards like the simple idea of choosing, you know, love over everything, sort of like. Um, and I just didn't feel like the convoluted way that they got there was necessary to give us that message. In a I know where way. Luca got their idea for their movie now. Jesus, like Italy just turned into Wait, a creature. Luca, the best Pixar movie of the past 10 years. Um, anyways, we'll do that for next episode. Um, Okay. Uh, I do. 
I think the ending could have been more effective if they made it more ambiguous because they made it so clear cut that like they chose love. It becomes problematic in a way. If they make it more up to the viewer's opinion, they, then you can debate a little bit with the themes of the movie and the ideas or just go super cynical and have it all as a dream sequence. And then they show him just like that eaten up by her and just a like, corpse of blood everywhere. <laughs> Under the skin <laughs> I may have zoned out, but I just want to make her own. So, so he, they like break off their thing, and like he returns to her, and she's like turning into God knows what, and he helps her. That's your escape. You're already the fuck out. And he, he, he chooses. I know he chooses love, and that's the thing. But if I walk in and I'm already broken up, and this is what's flopping on the floor, I'm leaving. Gone tomorrow. What? Also, like politically some real like issue stuff with that idea of like a woman can change her being by the thought of love like you can only get pregnant with love <laughs> idea so it's, it's a there's it, a lot I did, of oh i, I would be back to jail <laughs> in california tomorrow like no problem whatsoever like true love is changing her whole biology and her her emotions otherwise well, that's that's kind of my that's kind of my point it's like the plot is just a, is just very they, they, it's very lazily stitched together to like, here are, here's all the stuff we need in order to make the ending work. We're not going to like think about whether it makes a lot of sense or what the greater implications of it. It's just like, it's almost MacGuffin-y in a way. Like, yeah. you know, we, we it's just f serving a purpose of getting us to the ending that we want. And I yeah. want to say this. This movie did not hit for a lot of us, but that's the thing is like movies hit people completely different. I brought a movie on that I thought I was going to have like more people on my side because I enjoyed it when I was younger. And I was <laughs> for a better part. Now I wouldn't say ripped apart, but they did not like Men of Honor last week. And that was fine. That's just where it ends up going. Like I would have never watched Spring if somebody doesn't bring it on the show. Now I've seen it. Well, I ever watched it again. Probably not, but overall, it made an interesting conversation for like a lot of us because like some of us would not have seen it, some of us wouldn't looked at it, and I isn't this the same guys that did Moon Knight? Are they the same group that didn't? Are they? Yeah, they, yeah. they did part of the Moon Knight. At least one of, at least one uh, of them. Also, it failure. So. failure. I think that might be their career. Uh, that's right. I don't know if Moon Knight was good or not. I haven't seen it, but um, I think some people like it. Um, Other than Ms. Marvel, I'm for damn sure. I don't like either. <laughs> um, anything on spring, Mark? We did talk about it, and we beat the shit out of it pretty bad. But overall, just didn't hit for us. Um, but uh, anything else you want to touch on the movie? I mean, one, I, I got. I mean, I'm sitting here kind of loving this. I, I mean, what, on some end, I did like it. At the conversation, just to watch the world burn. I mean, I mean, like little listen, finger. <laughs> listen, I have not come across another person who has seen this movie. So just any conversation on this movie is good for me. I'll take it. I mean, I do want to echo some things. I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to sit up here and defend uh, Lou Taylor Pucci's performance. I, I won't do that. I think you guys are kind of right. It's not super great. I mean, I, I think honestly, the stuff that really hits for me is is a lot of it's in that last thirty minutes. And how it where it's not necessarily her making a choice because like she can't like she kind of says in the movie, I can't make that choice. And it's not a hundred percent on her. And it's just and because I get in that, at least in her character, it's something it's that she's never she's thought she's felt love before. 
She's not 100% sure she has. And then she, because she doesn't want to make promises to this guy that this is going to happen or not. And I just kind of love how it just kind of makes that slow transition to that point. And to me, I mean, I fucking love that ending where they're sitting at the bottom of that volcano and nothing happens to her. And like they, and it's that, and that little win. And even though like we kind of crushed this guy and having, I don't know, maybe he didn't have a great life. I mean, come on, the cops are after him in two fucking countries. His mom <laughs> just died from cancer. We can't get any sympathy for this guy. I don't know where, I don't know what he has to do for sympathy. But like he gets that one little win of like, okay, not be a man. <laughs> he gets that one little win of, you know what? He's got this girl. And he, he can, he has a chance of that one love. And I, Look, I, I love that part. I, I love. He I was love able to just, again, he was just able to go up in Italy and just make a new life there. I think he's probably doing okay, whether or not he <laughs> ends up with the girl or not. I'm just living that farm forever. That guy seems yeah. cool. Yeah, the farmer was great. <laughs> and then the way he wears his hat, that that like MVP for the way he wears his hat. I did. I did wonder, like, does the farmer understand like seventy five percent of the stuff that he's talking about? Like, does he give a damn about any of this no, guy he, like, it, just pouring out his heart? To it? I mean, nothing connects this movie. The farmer's story and his wife has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. The, yeah. I, I, I thought this, you know, this sets you up kind of like Midsummer that this is going to be like a movie about grief and someone overcoming their grief and it really has nothing to do with the rest of the movie of him but he, overcoming but he's seen, his relationship. He's seeing that one her. man, like who he has that one, like he's seeing a guy who had that one love in his life and then once it Mom? ended, kind of where his life had ended. With the Angelo, yeah, with the farmer. Yeah. Yeah. So you touched on something at the very beginning. And that's the whole reason why me and Tim like talked about doing this show is because the night after I watched The Exorcist, I would have given anything to hop on call and just talk about The Exorcist with somebody because like reviews and seeing what people think of one thing, but like open discussion is the exact reason why I wanted to do this show. And this is, that's exactly the reason. I think, I think that's a very interesting, again, would never saw this movie without it. You can um, also just message us to jump on call, Cody. We're available. I want to talk to Exorcist with you. I don't like talking to you. Um, uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you just guilted me into being on the show. Uh, all right. So my second favorite movie I watched, we'll talk about next. Um, uh, and that's going to be uh, that's gonna, huh? You want scores? Oh, scores. Yes. Uh, two stars for Spring, and that's I think that's being generous at that point. Um, uh, Brian, I could go last. What the hell? Um, no, I actually, I give it three stars. I, I actually I was I was digging it for for the first two thirds at least. More power to you, Scott. Uh, I give it two and a half, but also Devo Samuel just went down, and I give that zero stars. Thanks for showing conversation. Just saw that too, uh, Mark. I forgot to go to you. What what's your score? Uh, I will be the uh, high score, and I, I I dig this movie to I. I hadn't seen it in a while. Glad I got the opportunity. It's four and a half. Zach. I'll give it a two. <laughs> exactly. All right. So the sec my second favorite movie that I watched, so that's basically how I determined this. Uh, out of sight. Uh, uh, out of sight's next. Um, huh? Second favorite. Anyway. Yeah, the one that the one that we haven't yeah, talked no. about is my favorite. Uh, no, we'll not counting we'll, we'll right? Not counting Night of the Hunter because that was my pick. But the first one I've again, all these were new watches that I have not seen before. The last one, Paper Moon, when we talk about it, I I'm I in love with that movie. But 
we'll talk about this one. Um, uh, out of sight, and they're real close. They're absolutely real close because this movie is fucking awesome, too. Uh, Brian, <laughs> you can get start by you know what I know why you kind of talked about why you brought it up, but like, um, uh, why? Well, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, like I said before, I think it is one of his more overlooked movies because people know people know Soderbergh for you know his either his Oscar stuff like Traffic and Aaron Brockovich, or they like his Oceans movies or some of the more recent things like Logan Lucky and things like that. And this is one that I think probably just because of its age, at least in our community, a lot of, it's 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 you know a lot of people were probably too young maybe when this one came out in 1998, um, just missed it or or just some people see Jennifer Lopez like yeah I'm not going to go watch Jennifer Lopez movie things like that. But honestly, it's I, I think I've said before, I think this is the for everyone involved in this movie, this is like their best film, in my opinion. I think this is Soderbergh's best film. I think this is probably George Clooney's best film. Jennifer Lopez is actually very good in this movie. I mean, it, it's not just not even just like tolerable, but I think she plays the role very well. And right up to that last shot of the movie where she's like, you know, where she's kind of set them up for that escape thing. And she kind of just gives that little smirk. It's just little things like that. I think that she did very well. And, and a lot of that's probably, you know, Soderbergh being a good director working with her. But um, yeah, this is a movie that I just, I just think just oozes cool. I mean, everything about it. I mean, if you like Ocean's Eleven, I think you'll really love this kind of thing. Just the way people interact, the dialogue between them. And just the look of the movie, I think, is phenomenal because Soderbergh not only is already a great director, but I just love the way he uses things like like color. He has like he purposely uses a different color palette for every for every city and every setting. Like like in Miami, it's got kind of this kind of the hot kind of orange color. When they're in Detroit, it's like this gunmetal blue, and even just to distinguish time periods, because like when they're uh, in in uh, Lompoc prison versus uh, glades. They're, they're two years apart, but he uses like a different color palette. So you always know where you are, even though it's jumping around in time. And I just think he's such a, such a great director. And uh, I think, just think this is a very overlooked film. I couldn't agree more. Um, I got, I played like one trivia match, I think last year or something. And I was given Jennifer Lopez movies. Um, and this is one of the movies I didn't watch. Um, and it probably is the one that I regret the most because it's a very mean movie. Um, what I will say is expectations. Uh, I'm kind of, I, what you said was perfect. I thought Jennifer Lopez that I'm not the biggest fan of JLo in movies. Normally I just don't, I don't think she's that great, but, um, this movie is, if, if she did, if you see like one of these movies that she's really good in, you change your whole opinion like of her as an actress. It's just the source materials what she chooses to do because this one is actually brilliant. Um, and I'm I'm I like some of Steven Soderbergh's movie. I'm not like obsessed like some people like with some of his work, basically Jake or Michael. Um, but like I love the oceans. I love, um, uh, but I also dislike some of his movies. Uh, so I was hesitant. The more and more I watch Clooney, uh, the more and more I think like he is one of the most brilliant like actors that has ever. <laughs> He's got charisma that just doesn't like that some actors wish they could they could have. Like he he's able to sell like anything on screen and do such an amazing job at it. So um, overall, Mark and um, Zach, uh, Zach and Scott, uh, what were your initial thoughts? Who, who has seen this movie prior to this? 50-50. You've seen that at some point, but not recall the, much. The, okay. Technically prior to this, but we'll talk about that. Like a this week movie. before. Yeah. Day before. Day before. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. That's interesting. 
this movie's in um, my top 100 also. Um, I love it. Um, strangely enough, Brian has picked movies that I love on both of the episodes that we talked about because he picked RRR on the other episode, um, even though Brian and I, I feel like, do not would not usually agree on stuff. But um, anyway, yeah, I, this is my favorite Soderbergh film, and I am somebody who am, is a big Soderbergh fan. Um he just makes it look so easy. I think in almost everything he does and, and there's no, uh, this movie is certainly no exception. Um, it's just so breezy and fun. And like I said, effortless, I'm just that very first scene of, of Clooney walking in there and robbing the bank without nothing, (laughs) nothing with just talking. Um, he just charms his way into it and it's, it's amazing. Although he doesn't get away, obviously, but he's, he's that close, but, um, it's yeah, and they all, you know, that scene opening the film, and then yeah, like Ryan was saying, I, I absolutely love the ending too. Like, of you know, you realizing that he's she set him up with the person who's broken out of prison, whatever, 20 times, and um, so she knows exactly what she's doing. Like, it's just from, from that opening scene to that ending scene, it's just like everything is just so fun and clever. Um, but also, uh, and I, this is why I'm interested to hear Zach's take because I know he loves sexy movies and this is like one of the sexiest movies. Like, let's just say it. Um, Jennifer Lopez wearing that Miami Dolphins cutoff Jersey. I mean, come on, come on. Um, and that, that first scene of her and Clooney in the trunk together, that, uh, not to spoil anything, but, uh, you will hear me talk about that on top 100 scenes coming up, um, on YLS, um, that I could watch that scene forever. Just that the dialogue is great. You know, Scott Frank, um, is I think a great screenwriter and he's obviously working from great source material to begin with, with Elmore Leonard, More Leonard stuff, uh, yeah, yeah. having written the book, but he, you know, he makes that dialogue just like sing, um, and the actors do as well. I mean, everyone, you know, Soderbergh always has great supporting cast too. So, you know, the Steve Zahns and, um, and Don Cheadle and Ving Rhames and everybody like are, are just a delight. Um, yeah, Samuel L. Jackson being the guy at the end is so random too, but, uh, yeah. It, you know, Especially great. makes it weird with him and Ving Rhames because, you know, because of Ray Nicolette, it's actually in the same world as Jackie Brown. As Jackie Brown, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, this, I mean, I absolutely love this movie. I have very few bad things to say about it again. I think it's possibly Soderbergh's best and uh, just effortlessly cool and badass. Yeah, yeah so I, I watched this the day before we picked movies, so it was like serendipity. Um, this is always something that I like knew I would love and for some reason just never put on. Um, and, and finally got myself to do it right before we could talk about it. Um, and I think because I was led to believe this is like the sexiest movie ever and i am a george Clooney fan um that's why i'm like this could be a tough one ever i will say this could be just like false expectations i did expect this movie just to be like sex for 90 minutes which i would say it's not <laughs> i think so i feel a little underwhelmed i had to put my shirt back on um, a half hour <laughs> um but i do say that the trunk scene is like a top tier sexy oh yeah scene um just by proximity and by not having sex uh, I th- I feel like that's what this movie does a l- really well is there's a couple things of 
insinuation that makes things so much cooler. So that's like insinuated sex that makes it cool. The robbery is insinuated like violence, but there's no violence. I'm a big fan of the anti-violent bank robberies. Old Man Gun does that, which is a movie I love so much. Um, I just find that like the slickest way to get it done. Um, I think that's a real interesting um, insight into the movie. Well, I was muted a second ago, so it was a good thing I remember to take that off. Um, yeah, I'm glad I wasn't the first one to like kind of drool over Jennifer Lopez. I mean, we all kind of brought it up that 90s. Yeah, it's valid. It's valid. Yeah. I mean, and he he too. I mean, obviously, he looks great. Awesome. Well, to be fair, I yeah. mean, yeah, but you know, who cares? But you know, <laughs> lick that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, what, what was funny, kind of similar to Zach, I was. Um, I was just kind of doing some work and I had out of sight on the background like a week before we picked movies. It was just kind of a happy coincidence I had seen. It was a movie I'd honestly kept mixing up with Peacemaker. I don't know why. <laughs> I could not even kind of close to the same film, but I got them mixed up. But yeah, I mean, I, I had been on my, it had been on my list for a while just because it was Soderbergh. I've been trying to watch more Soderbergh and, and Clooney. I mean, it. And yeah, I kind of echo a lot of the same thing. It is just a really neat movie to watch. I think what's I kind of strikes to me is that it's it feels like it kind of sets up Clooney's career and just kind of the character he would more or less be known for for probably the ongoing years. Just because like it, I mean, I think it was like a year or two before ago he did like from dusk till dawn, and it feels like and it almost feels like it's almost close where we get to that, and then no, out of sight comes out and like no, this is the, this is the Clooney, and that I mean. He essentially is playing Danny Ocean before Danny Ocean, just a less successful Danny Ocean. <laughs> I, one thing I do want to say is I think you definitely see yeah. him like laying the groundwork for Oceans, for Logan Lucky, for all the sort of like caper movies he does in a way. Because one thing I love about all this is like there's kind of a lack of suspense, honestly, like you never really fear in the oceans movies, for example, that they're not going to pull it off. Right. It's not like th there's really not that many moments where you think they're not going to get away with it. It's really just about the pleasure and, um, you know, enjoyability of watching all of the parts fall into place. And I feel like there is some of that in this movie too, where it's like, um, you know, Jack Foley and, and Karen Cisco are like, opposed to each other and there's tension that results from that but also you kind of always know where it's going to go ultimately and it's just kind of fun to watch the journey play out up until like i said that final moment when what you've been expecting you know clicks into place in a satisfying way yeah Soderbergh's not about the mystery of anything he's about the ride he, he wants to create the funnest ride possible I mean, that's just it. This could have been, you know, they could have turned this into a, you know, a heist film like the oceans or something like that, or even like the robbery at the end, which, you know, obviously, uh, uh, uh Jack Foley, uh, Clooney's character is, you know, wants to do things without violence and stuff, but he's, you know, Don Cheadle, who, who by the way, is the unsung hero, him and Steve Zahn. I love in this movie. Um, Albert Brooks too, perfectly cast. Um, but, the, but when they're doing this robbery they're you know, he's like, man, they're, they're going to rape that woman and probably him too, you know, and, and he doesn't want to let that happen. And so he goes back. And I just, I kind of love that. That's kind of the, the main conflict of the movie is actually, you know, him against these, these other crew, at least at the end it is. And, uh, but the thing is, they're so incompetent. It's like they show up at the house. Next thing you know, they're shopping. Like Don Cheadle's looking at suits. White boy Bob is pulling steaks out of the freezer and stuff. 
And then when you know, of course, when he runs up the stairs and shoots himself in the face. It's just like yeah. it, it's just funny because the dichotomy is like, oh, these are these violent guys you know, you're going to face off against, and they're just bumbling idiots. So, what's special about Clooney, and I, I am steering this a little bit from an interview I read a little bit. Is he he did an interview recently where he said the secret to playing like an idiot, like he did in Burn After Reading or No Brother Art that like in the Coen Brothers movies, um, is that you always think you're the smartest person in the room even when you're like nowhere near it is that he plays both sides of that like he can play the person that thinks he's the smartest in the room but is a jackass or he can actually play the smartest person in the room which he does in oceans which he does in this and that's a, a fine line to cross over and i think that's what makes him a really special you know movie star is because that's a very you know charismatic line to to jump across well he plays smart so well because like there's scenes like when he's first in the bank and trying to figure out how he's going to rob it what he's going to say or when he's uh sitting in the yard at the prison and he's watching he realizes that they've moved up the date and things like that it's just without even talking just watching him watch people you can just he just portrays like this intelligence yeah but he'll also have moments where you know they're getting out of the hotel and he's going down the elevator and he sees j-lo and he's a uh and he just waves like he has no idea what to do. Like it was a complete foil to his plan. Yeah. He's like, I, I have no counter to this. That's what JLo does to you. Yeah. He's also yeah. I mean, that's what I said about Clooney. I think Clooney is like one of the like he gets a lot of appreciation from a lot of people. But again, even for me, sometimes I'm like, yeah, it's a George Clooney movie, but he's super good in most movies. And this one, you could definitely just. You could see how Scott said he was laying the groundwork for like a Danny Ocean and stuff, but like be able to get that. I love the dynamic between her and him and J Lo throughout this entire movie. Again, I I'm pretty critical of J Lo's acting most times. You know, of the bad ones, there's definitely deserving, but I think in this movie, this is one that just never knew where it was going. And I I wouldn't say that I was dumb and didn't pick it up, but like what Brian was saying with like how he is able to like do the color palettes and like make everything seem like it would never was a confusing time for like somebody that wasn't like, Oh yeah, well it's orange because that's Miami, but I'm just like, Oh, this the storylines are still meeting out because now looking back on it, it was because of how attention um, to detail he was with making the movie. You know who else uses color palettes to portray different time periods in a movie? Yeah. Greta Gerwig did it in Little Women. Just sorry. Of course, I had to bring that up. Anyway, <laughs> since, you were complimenting it, since you were complimenting it, Cody, I'm sure you felt the same way when Greta Gerwig did it. I never said anything bad about her, did I? <laughs> Lady Bird. That, well, but Lady Bird, yes. I mean, that was, that's just garbage. That's a garbage <laughs> film. But Little Woman, I gave Little Woman, I gave four, four stars. So I stand with that. Um, uh, but uh, yeah. Um, I, there was not a lot that just didn't work for me in this movie, to be honest with you. I felt the entire time like it was just like a um, we're calling it, it was, it was the later one that I watched. I watched this way too early, way too early but overall, like the entire time in this movie, like um, I love the ending of this movie. I think the ending of it is brilliant, like how it comes out. Because again, certain movies could make it feel like, something, like you know, he, he escapes with her and blah, blah, blah and she's like <laughs> she shoots him in the knee. Part of me, like, see, part of me, wants, wishes I could have seen that sequel with like Samuel Jackson and George Clooney on the run, like like fled, you know, just like chained up and running across the country. That'd been fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, anything else we want to talk about? I was like, 
Um, Finn Graham's great sidekick of all time, like between this and Mission Impossible. Great at, put, great at putting groceries in the car, too. Like, maybe, <laughs> maybe we didn't talk enough. We talked a lot about George Clooney, so we're not maybe give enough credit to Jennifer Lopez, who also was just you know steaming off the screen. I, I don't think that's and... true at all. Like we we gave a lot. <laughs> we definitely gave her her, her due. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is unpopular. Pro- I don't know. This should be if there's a lot of stands. I think the one thing I don't like Steve Zahn like as a like an actor like as a, I, I mean how he got in Hollywood is still still one of the most impressive things because I mean they need a bumper in it but he annoys me when he's on screen most times. Well, but he's supposed to. Like, he's supposed to. Like, he's I know he plays. Believe that me, role. I, yeah. I, I know, but I want somebody else to annoy me. Like I don't want it to be him anymore. Caleb Bowman. There, there's yeah, no yes. It's just unfortunate that that's like his bit because he's also kind of that guy yeah. that you do the guy that's a little too strong, a little too uh, much energy coming on to you. But I think that's purposeful, and I think he's great at it. So, I mean, they gave him sunglasses to wear at night. So, come on, <laughs> I'll throw I'll throw them glasses off with your head attached to them. I like that one. Um, okay, uh, overall scores for this movie. Go to Brian first. Uh, for me, this is five stars. Scott. It rocks. Five stars. Zach. Nine out of ten. Four and a half. <laughs> um, Mark. Uh, didn't make me be that guy. Well, I mean, no, not, not that guy. Like, just, One and a half. No. The, the guy that likes three more than by the hundred outside. <laughs> This is not like you cannot like something. It's fine. I, I like this movie. I do like this movie quite a bit. But to me, it doesn't have like the X factor of some of Soderbergh's other films. Give it three out of five. A three point five. Three point five. Three point five out of four. Out of five. Out of five. Why am I saying three point five out of five? Because you're so. I'm, <laughs> I'm four and a half. I'm four and a half. I think this movie was awesome. Great time. Great time. And we will finish our night with a movie. That I don't know if even Zach can lead into it because uh, he didn't watch it prior to this movie, but it's Paper Moon. Um, Zach, uh, I kind of want your backstory. I like why did you decide on picking this? Like I know you said you there was positive you stuff. Started like, with the letter P. Is that going to be the reason? <laughs> you don't want yeah. the backstory of this. It's uh, a very obsessive way of how I create the next movies I'm going to watch. I'm like, if I'm going to do the show, I'm going to do a movie that's on my deck, which my deck is 20 movies I'm going to watch, and I rotate every four movies once in the watch next. And it was on the list, and I'm like, which one's going to appeal to the, the, the chat the best? And I'm like, Paper Moon. It seems like it has a great eye within our community. I know like both fan and other people are fans um it seems like it, a it's a con man thing which i think is super acceptable a lot of us as well i um, mean something i've my mom has been be- begging me to watch for a long time uh, my mom's a big movie fan she loves paper moon um so i, I can appease her as well we can invite her under this chat this one i'm interested because i don't know where everybody's gonna sit um i didn't know my i didn't know this movie existed to be honest with you um since I'm uh, always around a Kingsman in one direction or in another, uh, I know that the person won an Oscar for this role and being youngest, like I know that stuff always pops in, but overall did not know much about the overall uh, movie. So I went in completely blind. Um, what did everybody else know about Paper Moon before uh, Zach dropped in the chat? I mean, I... 
I, I knew about the same as you did. Uh, young, youngest act, actress to win an uh, Oscar. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I think probably of the list that we got, this is probably the one that I was most tepid towards. I was like, I, I mean, I heard about it. Probably okay. Like, my, my expectations were kind of low go, going into it. That's fair. Yeah, I kind of just need the basic data points as well that, um, you know, won the Oscar for Tatum O'Neill, Peter Bogdanovich, you know, it's a con man caper type movie. Didn't really know more than that. You had to know a little bit about like the father-daughter aspect of it too. I, there, yeah, yeah, no, of course I knew Ryan O'Neill's in it as well. I yeah. didn't even know that much. I, I knew the name. I've, I've heard of the title. I've seen the cover because I worked in a video store, so I, I had it there. Um, but I and I like as much as I knew Tatum O'Neill had won an Oscar, I didn't even realize it was for this movie because I didn't know what movie it's for because I'm not a data data whore. I don't just study you know Oscars and things like that. Um, so honestly, this is this be, is the one movie I hadn't seen yet, and I knew really next to nothing going into it. Perfect, perfect. Okay, so Zach, thoughts on the movie after seeing it for the first time? Um, perfect, absolutely delightful. Um, really funny. Has the right amount of plot when it decides it wants to have plot. Um, you know the kid. I want to say the chemistry that you get from being a father daughter is really felt. It's a hard thing to say because I think it's a really horrible relationship in real life. I don't know, very complicated uh, figure. Um, but you can tell how they play off each other um, with such realness. Um, Ryan O'Neill is a, an actor that um, I've been thinking about between this and like Barry Linda, which is the only two I've seen, is he has this movie star, but there's always this level of like fakeness to him. He's like, his voice is a little weaker than it should be. Um, his charm is a little more off than it should be. And I think it works perfectly in these kind of con men people who are trying to fake their way through life, which is this and Barry Lyndon as well. And so I think he's perfect for the role, um, but maybe can't pull up like an out of sight smartest person in the room thing. Cause he's not, he's a nitwit and that's what he does best. Um, then, and Tam O'Neill kind of, you know, between this and bad news bears made a deal for the bad, tough mouth little girl. Um, and I don't know, it's great. It's a road trip movie. You get, you get a bunch of little, um, Kind of mini stories throughout our episode. It's a little episodic, little episodes throughout that are all very interesting. You meet fun people. You get, um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking her name? Um, Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn. Thank you. Madeline Kahn, one of the all time comedy greats who I adore. She gets to come in and just like steal the show for a little bit and have some of the funniest um, moments throughout. Um, you get a great climatic ending. Um, you know, the bootlegging stuff is very exciting, um, very good. And just nice walk off of the sunset and continue it off. Indeed, they, 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 they fought, it's one of those kind of found family uh, movies. They found each other in, in their own messed up way. They'll continue. It's at, just an absolute delight, easy watch of a movie, I think. And oh, I... one more thing. As comedies, especially now, like kind of get crap for not looking great like they don't put a lot of care into camera work this is one of the best looking best shot comedies like you could think um it, it, the just the use of the camera the angles he uses it's all it just looks beautiful throughout um i love this movie i was it i think it's definitely the father-daughter relationship that like how they're able to like get together and how basically how the whole movie starts and how he ends up like getting his, she like basically owns him and like tells him what's going to happen and where it's going to go. Um, 
how smart the dialogue is in this movie, I think is really where they're able to achieve stuff. I think the whole like scene inside the hotel um, where uh, he's, she's basically setting up the other to get the woman out of this picture by sleeping with another man and making him ticked off and leave the hotel. Um, I love the cons they run throughout the, like the whole Bible thing I think is brilliant where they started. Like, he pulls up to that lady's house and she's got like seven kids and husband just died and he's like they paid already like let's move along dad and then the next one just screams out the high price and just knows he can get it for it like it's just i think tatum o'neill is like so great in this performance as a 10 year old like that's why like everybody says like a, we should have a kid actor award i i've always been like against that because they are then this movie is a perfect example they can hold their own if they're in the right sort of like material, and she kills this movie. It gets a little at the end, a little, little cartoonish, a little goofy, but I, I was still on board with it the entire time. I, I enjoyed it throughout. I, I, I wanted the story kind of to continue. I enjoyed the dynamic so much. Um, I'm interested to see what everybody else feels. Um, what did you guys feel about the movie? I was a little disappointed with it um i found it well put together well performed entertaining but this whole delightful charming like quality that everyone seems to say was like just out of reach for me like and i think part of the problem is i think ryan o'neill's character is like kind of an ass and like the bible um scheme in particular I found that kind of despicable, honestly, what they're doing there. Like, I understand the whole, like, economic, like, oh, well, this they have seven children, so we're not going to do it to them or whatever. But, like, you were talking about they're going up to these people whose husbands have just died. We are in a wartime, you know, period, depression era, presumably, when people are struggling. And... We are just taking advantage of what seem to be perfectly nice people. Even the like rich lady or whatever seems to be like a perfectly nice person. Um, and yeah, okay, maybe she's not going to miss the $25 or whatever uh, that much. But for me, I see that and I'm like, okay, I, this kind of makes me uncomfortable. I want him to suffer some sort of consequences. And then he does. He does. But at the end of the movie, I'm like, okay, great. He suffered consequences. But then it's like, okay, well, you still owe me the $200, so let's get back on the road and let's go do some more schemes together. And I was like, okay, but, like, I want him to have learned something because she's saying the whole time, like, you know, we need to be more about helping people. Like, she clearly demonstrates a, you know, understanding of kindness, of some sort of compassion, of empathy. But... I feel like it has still hasn't necessarily rubbed off on him at the end, even after all he's been through. Um, I think it does. Well, yeah, I don't it's, know. That, it's that, a that, kind of less selfishness. Like he's laying someone else into his life. He's not a one man show anymore. So he, he's, you know, help, taking in the ideas of another. Perhaps. But for me, because of that, the parts of the movie I enjoyed the most were where she is like trying to get him basically when she's with Imogene, right. The, mm -hmm. um, who's the, you know, servant, I guess, of Madeline Kahn's okay. character and like they're scheming and they're doing, you know, the hotel and everything that happens there. Um, I, I found all that stuff really fun. Cause I was like, yeah, I want him to get some, um, but there was just like something slightly out of reach for me. I, you know, 
comedy uh, struggle sometimes. I didn't like laugh a ton during this movie. Um, and so that was probably holding me back a little bit. So like, I'm not going to begrudge anyone for liking it. Cause I totally, I get it. Like, and I get like, I recognize it as like, this is clearly like a, this community type of movie for sure. Like I can totally see that, but it just like, it, there was something about it that didn't sit right with me in the beginning. And I don't feel like that it was fully corrected in the way that I wanted to, it to be in the end. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, I'll, yeah, because I, I, I was kind of going through it. I was kind of feeling somewhat the same way as Scott. And then kind of as the movie went along, like just kind of every con they went through, it slowly won me over. And honestly, probably other than mine is probably the favorite movie, my favorite movie I, I saw on this list. I, uh, I, I just kind of slowly fell in love with the chemistry of like, Ryan and uh, both Ryan and Tatum O'Neill. I kind of like Brian. I was sort of an idiot. I, I got ha I got thirty minutes in the movie. Like Brian O'Neill, Tatum O'Neill. Oh, they're father and daughter. Like, uh, like, like I, I was, I was the dumb guy. They didn't realize that they like thirty minutes in. But I mean, I, I will say, like, he is changed by the end of the movie. Like he, he doesn't because he gets the shit kicked out of him, and then he looks at her. And he's like, I don't want, and he kind of makes that decision in his head. I don't want her to be caught up into this. He also decides, I'm also not going to walk her to the door. I'm not going to try and con this aunt out of more money. Like he doesn't, he does that. Okay, but then why do they set off presumably on more of the same type of adventures that they've been having throughout the because entire movie? Because they like, want to be with one another. That's the, that's a choice that they yeah. make. That and that's make. great. But what they're going to be doing is still like. I like that you think that's the problematic issue, not that him taking a girl from her mom's funeral to try well, and obviously. sell her for money. That, that's more of a big that. issue. So <laughs> that's I think that makes it. I think that makes him okay because he starts off like worse. He's not a likable guy, but he still is charming, enjoyable. But you're not supposed to think he's this outstanding. He, he didn't take the girl. They kind of pushed her on him. So. I, I, feel yeah, like, yeah. I feel like at least you know that he's going to do right by her because at the end of the day, he has she's the first thought in his head. He's going to think about her from from. Well, now what on. is he teaching her ultimately? <laughs> To, to make it your way in this world, anyway, you know how to live in those streets. She's about to be a Ross Street broken and be in the building. <laughs> oh, yeah. the, 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 the pillar, the pillar who would have thought morals, the pillars of morality, Wall Street brokers. Yeah. <laughs> She'll be Jordana Belfort. Yeah, so for uh, me, when I first, when I first when you picked, when you first picked the movie, I looked to see exactly what it was. I'm like, okay, it's a '70s movie about '30s depression era. Uh, and then, like, and Ryan O'Neill and people who I don't, you know, have anything against him, but you know, nobody jumps out at me. Someone's like, "Oh, I'm just gonna suffer through this movie." Um, I but take I, that. Made assumptions. I actually ended up <laughs> actually quite enjoying it. I, I think when it first started out, and it had like the old you know, black and white, you know, old Paramount logo, things like that. I thought it immediately kind of it, it worked. Like, whereas I think when Bogdanovich did a Last Picture Show, I think, in my opinion, it's kind of black and white for no reason except just to shoot in black and white. Um, I feel like this one, it, it really helped kind of set the movie. I think if it had been like in full color and stuff, it would have had a very different feel to it. Whereas this one kind of felt like one of those old road comedies, whether it be, you know, it happened one night or anything, you know, some of the older things kind of had that road movie old feel to it. So I thought that really worked for this. And then the relationship between them obviously was great. I, while I feel Tatum O'Neill, I think did a good job. 
Um, I I don't think it was anything Oscar worthy. I think I think precocious doesn't necessarily mean you know great acting ability. Uh, I guess there was a low threshold for acting Oscars in '73 because I mean it was her and then Madeline Kahn getting a nomination too. I enjoyed Madeline Kahn, but neither one of those performances to me is as uh, Oscar worthy. But that's just my opinion. Well, and and Madeline Kahn like apparently was like no Tatum O'Neill should have won for best lead actress and I should have won for yeah. best supporting actress. <laughs> kind of true. <laughs> But at the same time, she's probably trying to make room for herself. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I will say I, I showed my age when uh, the the guy who plays the um, the bootlegger and his brother, the cop, showed up. Uh, John Hillerman. I, I immediately go, "Hey, that's Higgins from Magnum PI." But that's just me. I'm old, so. I mean, even speaking of Tatum O'Neill, she was also up against Linda Blair and The Exorcist in the exact same year. Ooh. So they both were nominated. So, which yeah. is okay. yeah, which crazy goaded performances, a, yeah. So yeah, both just signaling the tragedy of being a young Hollywood star. Yeah, basically, yeah. Both <laughs> um, overall, like this movie again, I, I think it's the father side. The the only part that gets really weird for me, it's the one part that like, why do we have to do that? And there's a lot of weird parts, but when they drive that car off the road and they meet this old hillbilly guy outside. Like, and you're going to trade the car for him. And they say, not going to trade. And the one thing to get them to go, hell yeah, I'll wrestle you. Oh, hot damn. And then there's a wrestle match. It was so weird. Dis disrespectful like, portrayal of my people, I just have to say. Unless I missed something, there's no indication that Ryan O'Neill has this backstory of like he was like, you know, a successful school wrestler or something. It's like, why would he be able to no. pick up Randy Quaid? He was like you twice his size. Yeah. Randy, it was Randy Quaid too, which made me just die on that thing. But then they're pushing it. I can um no, but overall, the whole overall con the lawyer doesn't like it because they're breaking the law, but the rest of us found it. Yeah, just like, oh, just another one attorney, okay? I would defend these people, but that doesn't mean I have to like Well, you just saw Tatum O'Neill as a future client from you if they don't get out of this life of crime. Including Robin Banks and holding up houses. Oh, you're okay with them? Yeah, you're taking $25 to sell a Bible. How dare he? <laughs> Taking just of, of people who, uh, yeah, Stop. Have just been this is how tragic. I afforded my house. Please don't judge me. Um, but uh, no, but I think the cons, um, I think also the like the cops, like that entire scene when they're in the interrogation and they're basically like, we're gonna find the $650, and he yeah. starts like going through the box, and you're like, oh my god, and then Ryan, like, he flips out, and then he, he's like. It's, and he it's looks, good. you see that. Yeah. It's some of the good, like, Hitchcockian use of the camera, of, like, giving you all the information that you need to, to be invested in the scene. Not leaving it as a mystery, but you know where the money is, so you can, you know, feel the suspense of they're going to find her or not. I just so, love it. I just saw. Yeah. And then what was it? The the, the, the idiot cop at the end was like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. Oh, I need to watch. Sure, let, let's do all this. And then run! Like, it was a terrible idea. Um... I thought the car, like, well, I think the overall movie, again, a movie that I probably wouldn't have discovered unless this kind of show exists, and I, I'm really happy about it because I don't think anything would have drove me to it. Um, so I was really pleased with it. I'm 
And again, it was a wild card for you too. You've heard positive things, but you don't know if it hit. So again, I encourage if you're on the show and you want to Zach, be on the show, let me know. I feel like Zach knew he was probably going to love this. Like I this knew I know, yeah. yeah, but yeah, there's still an off chance. Something that might have been mixed upon. Yeah. Um, anything else we want to talk about with Paper Moon before we give our scores? Okay. Um, uh, a four and a half. I, I love this movie. I, I can't wait to revisit it, too. I think it's... Uh, I talked about it like with Mike Hanley the other day for a long time because I just enjoyed it. Um, Zach, what do you give it? Um, 10 out of 10. 5 out of 5. There you go. Uh, we'll save Scott. Uh, Brian? Uh, I enjoyed it. I gave it 3.5 out of 10. Out of 5. Yeah. <laughs> Zach is <laughs> the one to start us all off. Uh, Mark? The scales yeah. out of five, just to remind you. Yeah, I'll okay. be better. All right, I will. I will give this movie a four out of five stars. I, nice. I and, and the Bible, uh, something. No, I'm kidding. Scott Harvey, what do you? What do you give it? Three and a half. I mean, I I totally get it. Like I totally do. It's just never going to be one of my favorites for you know certain reasons, but you know it's it's very well it's a very well made movie. It's a rough night for you. We understand. Okay. <laughs> um. So, uh, thank you all for being on. I appreciate you all. Um. I I for the two people that were on the previous show, I think this show this one worked a lot better this way well, than the previous one. Yeah. It's because yeah, of me and Mark. I, I, I think so. I think so. Uh, uh, you guys will definitely be in the rotation to bring you back for sure. Um, next week's next episode. So by the time this one airs, the next one will be the, it will be Monday. So you'll, uh, you'll be seeing, uh, well, the movies will be out, but we have, uh, Brian back on me, um, Tim Burkala, uh, Jake Marangoni and Kurt Kolakowski is on the episode. Um, and I'll hint them. I'll just tell the movies. Won't tell you who picked them. Uh, we have uh, Doubt, Altered States, Twelve Monkeys, The Hard Way, and Bugsy will be on the roundtable next week. Uh, and then again, if you want to be on, message me. I'll uh, create another room. Again, thanks for being on, everybody. Have a good night.